Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And we are so excited to have one of our favorite guests, Aia Dr. Funlayo E. Wood uh, Menzies. And today, for the first time, and hopefully not the last, we have um, Dr. Gilbert Kobina Bukhari, the founder of the God Box Foundation, and together, uh, the Adressa uh, founding director and um, Dr. Um, Bukhari are going to talk about a new film series kicking off this Friday, May 15th, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 5 o'clock, no, Five o'clock, yes, Pacific time. I get mixed up on this going back and forth. I don't know how you do it, uh, Ia, but I guess because you're like in both places, right? You're in California, but you also have this eastern, east coast sensibility. Right, right. You know, being from New York City, shout out to the hometown, sending so much love to (laughs) healing there right now. Um, Despite being on the West Coast right now, I do the majority of my business on East Coast time, so (laughs) my brain does the conversion quick. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Yeah, so um, you said that you could introduce um, the new, um, you know, visitor to our our airwaves, um, but hopefully not the last. Yeah, and and maybe you could also, you know, in your introduction, sort of bring us up to speed on the wonderful Adrasa um, conference, all online. It was so phenomenal um, last oh, month. It was you. just like, oh, and you showed films like it worked, like three films. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> man, spirit moved us to keep it. You know, first of all, Wanda, I just have to thank you again for all of your support. I mean, you are just so phenomenal, not only to me, but to all of us who are doing uh, things in the community. Uh, It is invaluable to have these platforms to be able to share with the community. So just 
big ups to you and the work that you do. And we are so, so, so grateful for that. And um, just, you know, yes, the conference was just phenomenal. And and honestly, many people have remarked that in a certain way, it, it was even more electric than in person because there's a way in which being online emboldens people to ask those questions, to raise their hands, to make a comment in the chat or, or things like that, that they might not have the gumption to do in person. And so um, it was really beautiful, super interactive. And yes, Spirit said that Spirit told me, y'all know I move by Spirit, so they said that it had to be as close to an in-person conference experience as possible. So they did not allow it to just be the one day of presentations. We did show films on Saturday. Uh, we had a surprise concert and tour on Sunday. All of this was virtual. It was absolutely fabulous. And so um, we were just so moved to keep the connection going. And this is why we decided to launch Friday Films. So I'm really excited to just keep some of this energy from the conference going with the Friday Films. Uh, film is such a powerful medium, and film has always been a big part of the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association, of which I'm the founding director, since we were founded in 2012. Um, particularly because there is still a lot of stigma around African and diasporic religions. And film is a way that people are able to be not only told about a tradition, right? They can't not just to hear it, but to really see with their own eyes what these communities look like, what some of the practices look like, um, and just see these things in motion. And so uh, we the films this that we showed um, during the conference, we showed um, Sister Regine Romaine's powerful Brooklyn to Benin of Voodoo Pilgrimage. We showed uh, Jaman Hansu's recent documentary, In Search of Voodoo, uh, Roots to Heaven. And we also screened um, a documentary that I'm in for PBS, Sacred Journeys, Oshun Oshogbo, which follows uh, pil uh, practitioners to the Oshun Festival in Nigeria. And so yeah, film is just so powerful. And so we decided to kind of keep this energy of the conference going and also to model the community unity that we're always talking about. And so I called in and invited my brother, Gilbert Kobina Buhari. He's a systematic theologian at Union Theological Seminary, PhD candidate, so soon to be doctor. We are just really thrilled to have him and his organization, the Godbox Foundation, um, as a co-sponsor for this series. And the Godbox, and I'll let him talk about it a little bit more, but they are a pan-African interface organization. So their focus is bringing together Black folks of different faith communities, which is so, so important, um, especially to get those of us who practice African religions in the room with those of us who may practice Christianity, Islam, or other traditions, and really be able to talk about our commonalities as people of African descent. And also, and also, because y'all know I keeps it real, and also be truthful about the ways that some of these more dominant traditions have interacted with African peoples over time and, and, and kind of come to grips with that. So brother Gilbert, so happy to have you with us this morning. You want to say a little more about the God box? 
Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you're, you're so kind in, in that um, introduction, and I'm humbled to be here. Um, but, yeah, I um, just to say a little bit, um, I absolutely agree with everything you said. And, and that's that was the idea of, of, of the God Box was, you know, a lot of the times these um, interfaith discussions are are quite, you know, universally broad and and don't really um, address a lot of the the issues um, that that we're facing, our social justice issues um, in the black community, especially in the Pan-African community. So I figured uh, we can, you know, there's a lot of mutual suspicion <laughs> between um, Pan-African um, faith leaders, religious groups, um, spiritual groups. So um, the idea behind um, forming a Pan-African interfaith organization was to, you know, spend a lot of time um, talking about each other, but we don't talk with each other or to each other. And it's time to right. come around the table and and really speak, speak um and as you said, and be honest about um, our history, um, the oppression that we're we're facing, even within and amongst our own, you know, uh, groups. Um, in terms, which we know, religion has played a pretty big role in that. Um, absolutely, that going. absolutely. Yeah, I I was noticing, um, uh, okay. Papa Gilbert, that you um. You're Ghanaian, and um, and you know, you um, trying to think, I'm trying to remember. You you grew up, you grew up there in, in in Ghana, and then you came here to go to go to graduate school, well, go to college, I guess. And um, and so I was figuring you probably know, um, uh, Mama um, Sista Amicus and uh, and One Africa. Because absolutely, absolutely. I lost, I lost you a bit there. Sorry about that. Oh, I got. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yes, I do know one Africa sister, Emma um, Cruz. Yes, she's a wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful um, woman. Great history in Cape Town, Almina. She's in Almina near Cape Coast. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, sort of being, you know, this. I'm a multiple cultured person of African descent, like you are, like living the diaspora experience, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, you know, I was born in New York. You know, shout out to New mm-hmm. York again. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, to to Ghanaian parents um, and uh, Ghanaian my parents. I mean, it was interesting because they were. I think it started there. Um, you know, they were very. Um, traditional in their beliefs as far as African traditions are concerned. Um, but they found no contradiction, especially my mom. She found no contradiction with, you know, pouring libation and, and going to church on Sunday. Um, and, you know, and so, and we were coming from a, a kind of royal um, background in Cape Coast. So, you know, those traditions kind of stayed and it's something that you have to practice. Um, I moved to Ghana when I was about eight, nine years old. Um, and really, I mean, from the day I got there, <laughs> you know, um, being at that, you know, impressionable age, um, being surrounded myself with, um, all these, um, uh, you know, the culture, the culture was, you know, when we're talking about spirituality, um, one thing I noticed was that, you know, while, um, you know, there's, there's this idea that spirituality, um, is, is, is kind of unseen and unheard, um, 
Mm-hmm. I, you know, in Ghana, I mean, it was very much seen and very much heard and part of the fabric of of our daily life. And I can go on with stories on end, you know, even in my own household um, where um, certain, you know, certain things were happening spiritually. So, you know, so it really shows you how there's, there's a whole other world that we haven't really tapped into yet. And those that have, you know, um, unfortunately, I mean, have been demonized um, and, and because of these um, foreign uh, and Westernized, um, indigenized um, religions. Um, so it's it's always been a part of me. Um, and, and really one of the things that we're trying to do with the God Box as we engage with other religious groups um, is to kind of extract and, you know, bring us back to the center um, where, you know, African spirituality really is and kind of permeates um, all these different religious uh, beliefs and and kind of do away with these kind of institutional um, religions that kind of have a monopoly on on African spirituality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> and that's really one of the main uh, concerns, you know, in terms of the film festival is that, you know, again, there's just been, there's a lot of stigma. I mean, we would be, disingenuous if we pretended as though, you know, although African traditions are on the rise for sure, and they have been on the rise for many years, they're pioneers in the community who have been out here doing this since the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, By and large, we still have tons of stigma around African traditions, and especially in, I think, um, some of our other faith communities. And so film you know, as I said, really takes you inside, really allows you to see um, how a practice looks, who the people are, and it and it floats some of the mythology that perhaps um, has been floating around these traditions. So, for example, my mother, who, uh, shout out to her, Reverend E. Regina Hoyce, she was at the conference, and she is a reverend, a Baptist pastor, who really has had very little exposure to African religions other than what I've been sharing with her since I began my journey. And she remarked how powerful it was to see the film about uh, Juman Hansu's film in particular. And even starting with the just the basic premise that voodoo and voodoo are, is a religion, right? And it's not some, you know, form of spookism and something just used to hurt people or whatever the stereotypes are. Just that, that very basic idea that this is a tradition with uh, spiritual connections that that worships the almighty God in his many forms and his, her, its many forms as Lua, as, you know, uh, spiritual entities. And so, we're really excited to be able to, you know, welcome the community and to be able to, again, have these really honest discussions with one another because, you know, the goal, we understand that not everyone is going to uh, convert to African spirituality. Not everyone is going to convert to Christianity. And I never know, there was never a full conversion of anybody to any system, right? There's always been a multiplicity. And so really understanding how to tap into that multiplicity in order to, as Brother Gilbert said, empower us as African descended people 
to understand that we don't have time to be fighting over how we worship and how many times we're going to bow down and whether we're going to use incense or whether we're going to call Jesus or Allah or uh, Obatala or, you know, <laughs> Mami Wata. Yeah. We don't have time to argue about none of that because there's still so much real injustice happening to us mm-hmm. in our communities. And so being able to come together and especially being able to come together with the moral imperative that we have to do something to change this, we have to get over our differences and do something to raise the vibration for all of us, that is really the ethos, as you know, of the ADRSA and then and also of the God Box and now of this joint venture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about the films in the series. What what are you going to be showing this Friday? Oh, we are so excited. Well, this Friday, we are just we're starting off easy with a love story, <laughs> a beautiful, a beautiful Arisha love story. <laughs> What'd you say, honey? I said a love story is it's not too easy now. <laughs> okay. Ah, thank you for that. Yes, thank you for that. It is a teaching tool after all, right? We're looking to teach and educate as a, as well as entertain. So we yeah. are super excited. The studio is a film that was made by Ia Iris Goodwin, who is a priestess of Shango in our community, Kabiesi. And uh, the her her film company, Big Shorts, she's a wonderful uh, person and has been a big supporter of the ADRSA, along with her wife, Doreen Ward, who's the executive producer of the film. And uh, the film is a love story. It's about a, a young woman and a young man who uh, fall in, begin to fall in love with each other, but their love is uh, colored and kissed by the ancestors and by the Orisha. And so during the course of the story, um, you learn a bit about ancestral connections, about uh, Orisha, about Yoruba indigenous tradition. And so um, it's a great story. And we're really excited to be able, one of the big concerns, of course, of the series is to showcase filmmakers from our community, right? Again, just like the ethos of the ADRSA, Um, is this ethos that we have people in our communities who can tell our stories. So we don't need to go to outsiders to hear about ourselves. And so um, Ia Iris has been a longtime supporter of the ADRSA. We actually screened the film at our in-person conference last year in New Orleans. And so we're really excited to be able to screen it online and to introduce it to an even wider audience. And then coming up June 5th, we are really super excited to have um, brother Dalian and sister Verona Adolfo, who will be coming and joining us, who will be joining us uh, from London, and their film, Ancestral Voices, which they have two volumes of now, um, a wonderful film, that, a wonderful series of films that um, speaks about ancestral tradition across the African continent. So they speak with some of the greats. And one of the beautiful things about this film is that it's a documentary and they interview many elders, some of whom are no longer with us. And so we have captured what one of the things that they were able to do. And beautifully, uh, one of their big connections 
um, came by way of them attending the ADRSA. So they, when the, their first film came out back in 2012, when our conference was in its inaugural year, they were a featured uh, guest of ours back at Harvard and screened the film, their first film then, and ended up connecting with Sobamfu Somei, who was our speaker that year, who now ended up in the second film. And she is a wonderful teacher who is no longer with us. So powerful film, speaking about the ancestors, um, speaking about uh, some of this truth telling that we're talking about in to as far as why African spirituality has been so demonized and really pinpointing the ancestral connection and the wisdom of the African ancestors as mm -hmm. the place to begin to reconnect. So we're really excited for, for these films. We're looking forward. We're securing more films. We absolutely um, welcome requests from the community or, you know, welcome filmmakers in the community to submit their films uh, that have any uh, thing to do with spirituality. And we really are looking, you know, not only to showcase, again, the, the films, but to showcase the richness of Black stories about spirit, however they're told, whether it's feature film, documentary, or, or otherwise. Mm, wow, that sounds really wonderful. Yeah. Really miss um, our sister, um, Ia Saban Fusome. She is really, really beautiful people. Oh, yes. It would yes, be really yes, great yes, to yes, see her yes. in a film. I think I bought like three of her books when I first met her. She did a grief ritual here in um, Oakland. Uh, it, was, mm. it was sponsored through, um, I think it was sponsored through Behavior Health, um, Alameda County Department of Behavior Health. And it was just so wonderful. It was um, wow. out in nature at one of the regional, one of the, um, was it, it wasn't a regional park, it was one of the city parks, but it was in the woods. And it was just, oh, man, it was so awesome. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, she was a, a beautiful person. And um, mm -hmm. that whole idea of grief, ritualized grief, is so important, especially you know, here in the West, we treat grief like it's a dirty word. It's like anything that happens that upsets us, we kind of are like, okay, let's get over it and let's keep moving. And, you know, we don't really give ourselves a chance to wail and to, you know, there's actually another film that uh, we will be showing called um, The Dance of the Sacred Forest, which is about... Um, the community, one of the indigenous communities in the Congo. And there is um, a, a scene in that film that's a little bit difficult. Um, a woman loses her child, her baby, when after the baby was just born. And this is actually something we just spoke about on Mother's Day, about the fraught journey into life, right? About the fact that the mothers and the babies don't always make it. And about the fact that we really don't often get a chance to grieve, right? We don't get a chance right. to grieve. At one point in this country when women, if a woman had a child that was stillborn, um, the doctors would just take the child away. The woman would never even get a chance to see the child. And I know personally women that, that have had this experience. And so watching that film and seeing how our African ancestors, and again, make no mistake about these things. When we, we talk about spirit and religion, but really, really, these are psychological technologies. 
right? These are technologies, divination. When we seek information from the divine to guide our lives, that is a form of technology. That's a form of uh, therapy. That is a form of making sense of the world. And so grief rituals, giving ourselves a chance to grieve. And so the scene is very, it's it's heart-wrenching, really. The mother is holding her child and she's just wailing. And the thing that was so beautiful about it is nobody tried to stop her. Nobody came and said, oh, no, it's okay. Stop crying. Nobody said anything. Everyone in the community just circled around her and sat there while she held her baby and wailed and cried and screamed and had her moment of grief. And then when they felt, you know, okay, this is enough, then they moved in to comfort her and to say, okay, now that's enough because we don't want you to go into the realm of making yourself sick. But they understood the importance of the grief and other members of the community, they cried with her. They, you know, expressed their grief at losing a member of their community, you know, who this child was not only her child, but to be a member of the community. So just powerful moments like that. There's no way that even my explanation, and I pray that it has touched, right? But my explanation pales in comparison to actually experiencing that moment. So we just, we look forward to sharing those moments and really digging in, uh, Brother Gilbert and I, into conversation about these moments. And then, of course, opening space for the community to join us in that conversation. Absolutely. Wow. That's going to be really awesome. So tell our tell our audience how they can um, sign up for the screenings and um and I I believe um they're they're free but donations are requested. Yes, donations are always always appreciated <laughs> and accepted. We are a 100% independent organization. And I really, you know, I'm I'm saying that because it is rare for an academic scholarly organization to be 100% independent. Most are tied to some uh, academic institution somewhere. And even though this organization was founded at Harvard University, it was very much a big concern of mine to keep it independent, to make sure that we can say what we want to say, how we want to say it, when we need to say it, that we're able to make our conferences part conference, part ritual, that we don't have to feel like we have to adhere to anyone else's standards, that we are able to put on programming like this. We don't have to jump through any red tape or any hoops. We just do what we feel needs to be done when it needs to be done. So, yes, donations are always, 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 always appreciated. Um, <laughs> you can head to our website, adrsa.org, and the information about the film series will be there. Click News. And you can read a whole article about the film series and also RSVP. And I am, as we speak, adding the button to the the site and it's on our social media. Please, you can also follow us on Facebook, ADRSA, the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association. You can also follow the God Box Foundation. Brother Gilbert, will you tell them also, I of course, I'm super excited, aside from the films, of course, we want y'all to see the film, but then, but then, but then, 
We want y'all <laughs> to come on and go with me. Come on and go with us to the continent, mm-hmm. to different uh, locations around the country and around the continent. So Brother Gilbert also um, with the God Box Foundation, they have the God Box Tours arm. So can you tell us a little about that, brother? Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's it's a really um, interesting times that we're living in. So you know, and really, it's all about, as I said, come, you know, coming back to to the center of African spirituality. So not just you know um, through these films, obviously, where where we're, we're able to you know see the rawness, the authenticity of it, and um, really elevate through the dialogue, elevate our, our minds and, and spirituality, and, and really. Um, invite all these frequencies and, and energies. But then we also want to see all of that manifest in the physical. So, you know, um, not just returning, you know, to the center of African spirituality, just on the spiritual level, but also on the physical level. So we provide, you know, God Box Tours is kind of a, another pan-African interfaith um, traveling tour agency where, um, you know, we focus in on um, religious and spiritual groups that, that are interested in, in coming to, to Ghana and in different parts of, of West Africa as well. Um, so really, um, you know, we do uh, traditional ceremonies, whether it's, you know, birth, birth, you know, ceremony, naming ceremony, you know, traditional weddings. Um, just certain, you know, there's a lot of things in, in the culture that um, once we're, we're having these films and dialogues and, and having these discussions that we we have an outlet and a platform for people that really want to um, embrace this on a physical level and, and really um, show you that you have the intellectual and experiential knowledge as well. Mm, nice, nice, yeah. And um, is there, do you have a website or something you could point us to, um, Baba Gilbert? Yes. So um, yeah, we do have um, the God Box uh, Foundation.org where you can find you know, newsletter the same way, um, the uh, information on the films. Uh, we also have um, godboxtours.com for um, our spiritual pilgrimages that we do. We have one coming up in December and in July. Um, we, we often, um, we can also customize some um, tours and, and whatever you want, want throughout the year. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's going to really be, really be awesome. Um, yeah, this, this film series sounds really great. And it's always, you know, such a holistic kind of experience, you know, whenever whenever you are part of anything, i.e. um Bunlayo. Right. You don't know how that that does my heart so good. I mean, that is literally, you know, uh, always my aim and ethos to bring it all together because that's the African way. This this idea of religion over here and history over there and science over there and philosophy over here and all of this disjointedness, that is not our way. Africans are holistic people. We Mm -hmm. are the circle remain unbroken people. And so Mm -hmm. to be able to be my full self and have that appreciated in my community means everything to me. So just thank you. Thank you for accepting my light and accepting the things that my spirit moves uh, me to to offer because um, that's really, you know, ever since I was a little girl, I've always been a community person, always just loved people and want us to come tonight together, want us to connect, want us to be better, want us to laugh, cry, and just experience the fullness that is life. 
So this is, it's always beautiful and it's always an honor for me to be able to facilitate those experiences for my community. Yeah, and and one of the things that the God, the God Box especially, you know, we're really excited um, to to partner with ADRSA, particularly because of the scholarship um, that it brings to these African um, traditional religions, and something you know coming from Ghana, oftentimes that's that's that in and of itself sometimes seems like a contradiction, considering um, you know how you know some Africans, you know, that have been, you know, westernized and, um, you know, kind of look at African traditions. So, you know, one thing I really appreciate about ADRSA is, is the scholarship that it brings to, to, to African spirituality and, and, you know, kind of um, addressing, um, you know, and, and exploring uh, the, the brilliance and the splendor and the beauty of, of African spirituality in, in all its forms. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is going to be a really wonderful um, first screening uh, in the series. And again, um, the um, <clears throat> the screening is this Friday, uh, May fifteenth, eight p.m. Eastern Time, five p.m. Pacific Time. And and then the following month is going to be on the first Friday in June. And, right. Uh, same Moving time. Forward. Yes, moving forward, it'll be the first Fridays. Actually, it'll be a little earlier next month since our guests are oh. dialing in from London. Um, but we'll, if if you um, folks who are interested, please join our mailing list at uh, adrsa.org, and you will receive information about everything that we're doing. Um, also, if you RSVP to the film series once, you'll receive um, subsequent invitations. So um, you can come on over to adrsa.org and RSVP now. Okay, super. Right. Well, congratulations on on broadening the reach, and it's really great to have you on the show, um, uh, Baba Gilbert. And my next guests are in the studio. But as we close, I'm really interested in the the name of your organization, the God Box. So maybe you know that could be like our parting part of our conversation. The name, the God Box. Where did that come from? Mm. I, you know, I've gotten that question um, a couple of times. Um, I, I, you know, coming from Union Theological Seminary, um, there's, you know, at Columbia University, there's, um, we have kind of like the secular um, section and the kind of religious and spiritual um, institutions and facilities where you come down to Union Theological and. Um, New York Theological, the Jewish Seminary, and, and all those things. So um, it was kind of like something that we said. Um, we used that term when you were leaving the secular section of Columbia University and coming down to kind of like the divinity and seminaries. We said, that, you know, those blocks within that radius was called the God box. You know, so mm-hmm. people would say, you know, you're, going, you're headed to the God box, you know, because that's where, you know, we like to say that, you know, while it's Columbia Uni- University and, you know, the journal, journalistic side of things and you know they're they're addressing little truths we're about the big truths so we call that that area the, the god box and and um and so that's initially how i thought about it and of course um there is some some history um uh, with initially when i when i came up with it you know i had some some critique in terms of are we are we putting god in a box here 
um, or like what are we doing exactly? Um, and and so what this was really about just the the people, the children of God, the people of God, those faith leaders, um, religious and spiritual groups. You know, there's there's thousands of people that could care less about some of these conversations that we had. So I've always appreciated anybody that has any kind of love and passion for, for truth and, and, and for the big truth and for God and however we want to, you know, call 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 the, the supreme being. And so um, I felt like the God box was, was pretty um, ideal for what we were trying to do, getting people in these conversations, dialogues and, um, from all over the place, uh, especially in that Pan-African world. Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When you said it, what I what I thought when I heard it, um, which I think also goes a little bit with that as well, is kind of getting <laughs> not to set it up as an adversarial thing, but kind of thinking about getting in the ring, you know, getting in the box together. Yeah, 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 like yeah, we're yeah. in the same box. We are, you know, we are all talking yeah. about God. We're talking about something. We're talking about the same thing. So let's understand. Yeah. Let's put all of our common things into that box together, right? And exactly. and and see where they shake out, as opposed to focusing on our our differences. Yep. And if you, oh, you wow. if you're not in the box, you out of it. <laughs> right. Right. You're outside of the box and putting the the the, the tools in. So I just right. I love mm. that. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I thought about um, David Banner. Because he's got um, a project called the God Box, and yes, some really, yes, really yes. beautiful music. And he was on tour here, um, and and then I think about our our next guest, and and one of the initiatives <clears throat> that Legal Services for Prisoners with Children <clears throat> um, started that was adopted, you know, federally and uh, in California, maybe other other states. Um, you could let us know. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Sakati and London, but uh, ban the box, you know, around um, mm. around not making people sort of lead with the conviction, right? As opposed to mm. as people. And and our next guests are <clears throat> going to be talking about a really wonderful program that's coming up this Monday called Quest for Democracy, and it's a part of um, the program that Legal Services for Prisons with Children hosts, along with All of Us or None. So, so anyway, um, they're in the studio now, and I know, um, you know, you know that we, I'm talking about all of us, you know, sort of don't forget those of our our people that are, you know, locked up behind bars, particularly during That's this right. time. Yeah, That's yeah. So right. I just wanted That's to right. to let you all be in the studio together to say hello uh, <laughs> to each other oh, as, as we sort of change the guard. So, um, yeah, so thank so you London, again, Crowley, Wanda, for having and, uh, us. Mm-hmm. Good, morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> can you all hear me? Wonderful work. Yeah, yeah. Yes, everyone can hear yes, one. It's a, it's a pleasure and such important work that you're doing. I am actually going to have to jump off the line as I have another engagement shortly, but I'm so grateful again, Wanda, to you for having us. I'm grateful to you, our sister, for all the community work you're doing. We just we lift up everybody who is out here doing the work, everyone who is out here advocating for their brothers and sisters, 
whether it's through legal action, whether it's through prayer, whether it is through uh, showcasing their beauty on the radio, all the ways that we do this, our work is important. And so I just pray our strength as we continue and give thanks for all of us and all that we do. Ashe. 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 Yeah, well, thank, thank you, Baba Gilbert. Looking forward to thank you. connecting with you again on Friday. At the film. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Festival. Thank you. All right. Cool. Appreciate it. Y'all, Y'all take, take care. care. Mm-hmm. Yes. Take care. Uh, thank you so much for <clears throat> for um <clears throat> being patient um with uh with us, uh Zakati, um, who um is the uh staff organizer and housing um director for legal services for prisons with children and uh London Crowdy you're uh, an Elder Freeman Fellow, uh, Communications Fellow, and uh, I've really enjoyed your your facilitation of the uh, the One Mic, um, One Community Talks oh, on you. Wednesday. Is there one this Wednesday uh, from 12 to 1 Pacific Time? Absolutely. We have a very special show today, so we're going to be a little different. Um, mm-hmm. From 12 to 1, we'll be actually uh, talking about uh, voting disenfranchisement, and we oh. have people from other states that will be joining the panel that have already are in this fight, uh, that have done this fight or wanting to join this fight is making mm-hmm. sure that all are have the right to vote. Ah, so you're talking about our folks in New Orleans and Florida? Absolutely. From Florida, from New Orleans to Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, nice. we are. Cause you know, as us, we're heavily into this fight for ACA six, which is a constant, constitutional amendment that will allow those uh, 50,000 current people that's in, on parole in the state of California the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and uh, Zuccotti, um, wow, I really, really love reading about you in the, um, um, what's the newspaper called um, that comes out of the Freedom of Movement Center? <laughs> Um, our newspaper is, I believe it's called All of Us or None. Oh, that's the newspaper? That's the name of it? I didn't know it was called the name of the organization. Oh, okay. I have to look at it. Yeah, yeah, because I, I was just looking at it. I, thought, I was like, oh, my goodness. I was kind of embarrassed yeah, to read about myself. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Oh, no, it was really, really good. Oh, my goodness. It was really wonderful. Um yeah, it's called. Um, let me see. It's called the Justice Journal. Yes, it's Journal. all of us and none. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is all of us and none. And then you have the Justice Journal too, which is really cool. But that's a yearly thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It comes out. It's called all of us and none. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that. I had. I'm. I'm sort of. I haven't read the paper yet, so I can't really talk about it. It looks really good. I was looking at, <clears throat> uh, looking at it really, really quickly, but um. Yeah, there's some really, really wonderful um, uh, publications and journals and and resources that come out of the organization. So I was wondering maybe before we talk about the um, uh, quest for democracy that's coming up on Monday and it's going to be virtual, maybe maybe you could tell us a little bit about your work and yourselves and, and what brings you to um, LSPC and Oliver's or None as a fellow. So um, whoever wants to go first. Can uh, can go ahead because it's better than my just reading your your bios because people can go online to prisonswithchildren.org and read your bios. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, what brought me, this is Sakati. What brought me to LSPC was, um, it was really neat. Um, I met someone who was tied to LSPC. I was doing um, property management. Um, This young lady came to a meeting late and could not believe that I was not going to show her an apartment. She came back again and she looked at me and she said, wow, you're somebody that I think would do great here. So she referred me, um, and unbeknownst to her, it was something that I've always wanted to do. Both of my parents were Black Panthers. Um, They've always organized things, and it it, it was just like, wow. Um, And I tell you, the moment that I stepped foot into the office, I was like, this is where I need to be. Um, For me, what uh, truly drew me there I completed a five-year prison sentence, um, and in the midst of being in prison, I realized that this is the beginning of something new for me. Um, I I realized all the things that are going on in prison, and I realized that I needed to shout from the highest hill, from the highest mountain, what the heck is going on inside. Um, And I knew that I was being set up divinely to make a stand. When I came home, I realized that because society feels that it's necessary to continue to punish me for something that I did in my past, um, although I could work in property management, it would be far and few in between where I would be able to find a place to rent for my family and myself. Um, And because of such barriers, um, I felt like the best place for me to be was legal services for prisoners with children and all of us are men. Um, I've been there since September of last year, and I feel like this is one of the greatest choices I've ever made in my life. And if I may, Wanda, I do want to answer a question you asked. There are currently 35 um, states and more than 150 cities, including District of Columbia, um, who recognize Ban the Box as well as the federal government. Nice. Nice. That's great. That's great. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when Dorsey went to the White House. Um, Dorsey Nunn, um, Executive Director of Legal Services for Prisoners with Children and one of the co-founders of All of Us Are None and formerly incarcerated and convicted people and families movement and legal and um California Coalition for Women Prisoners. Any other mm-hmm. organizations that I leave out? <laughs> Did I get them all? <laughs> right. He's busy. <laughs> He's busy. Yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the greatest visionaries that I've met um in my in my life. Um my my goal is to make sure that I don't I don't give up the fight, the struggle. I don't allow the the pushbacks, the 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 losses because you can't always win. So, um I have to allow that not to deter me but to push me to fight harder. Um and and this is one of the greatest fights of my life and I'm thankful that I was blessed to be part of this solidarity movement. Mhm. Yeah. And and I think I'm not sure exactly, I might be making this up, but I thought 
this the space where you all are, where the Freedom of Movement Center is on forty at forty four hundred um, Market Street, right there at the corner of forty fourth and Market. Um, I thought it had something to do with the Black Panther Party in 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 its um, other iterations. I'm not sure. Did I did am I remembering correctly or not? So. If I am remembering correctly, um, another gentleman gave me a full rundown of history, um, and it was actually pretty neat. Um, the house where they met at, if I'm not mistaken, is either our building or one next door. Mm, okay. And so um, it is in the same proximity, though, where the Black Panthers had their um, their headquarters, mm-hmm. so we're like right there in the midst of and in the shadows of and in the 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 history of where basically most of the organizing started because until they did it, I, I think the last greatest movement in my opinion um, prior to the Black Panthers was um, the Civil Rights Movement. Mm-hmm. Right, and sometimes people associate us with the uh, Black Panther uh, family because, um, right. you know, Elder Freeman was, you know, a part of the Black Panther Party. A lot of some of our older uh, members was um, either in the Black Panther Party or, you know, uh, learned some of it was taught taught by someone or. Um, um, mentored by someone a part of the Black Panther Party. And so we often get that uh, just because some of our values and um, our community support, uh, how we look at uh, taking care of the community, people often um, relate us to the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. When you think about the 10-point program and how um, – LSPC and all of us are none. We're giving out um, vouchers to people, you know, who needed uh, food and things like that. Was that like a month or two ago, or a couple of months ago? And it continues. Um, and now you all are going to be uh, giving away um, uh, face masks. <laughs> um, has has that production started yet? Well, one of the um, greatest things going on for us is the 2020 Digital Quest for Democracy. So we didn't want to start doing multiple things at one time to take away from, you know, this or that or to bring so many people in one space during the COVID situation. Um, Mm -hmm. However, that will start, I believe, the day after uh, Quest for Democracy. So May 19th, I believe. So that will be Malcolm X's birthday. Wow, Yuri Koshiyama's yeah. birthday, Ho Chi Minh's birthday, Lorraine Hansberry's birthday. Whoa, what a great day to start right after Quest for Democracy. Democracy like boom, you know. Yeah. Wow, what a great day to be doing something so wonderful for the community. Um, so, London, um, you are just like the perfect partner for uh, uh, Zakati. Um, am I pronouncing your name correctly, Um yeah. Or not. Yes, okay. Yeah. So, London, tell us about yourself. You are just such a little superstar. Not little, but, you know, young. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Wanda. Thank you again for just hosting the show and having a platform where folks like us can come and uh, 
let the community know what we have going on and to help us to raise our voices. Um, so good morning, everyone. Yeah, my name is London Crowdy. I'm a communications fellow at Legal Services for Prisons with Children, All of Us and None. And how my uh, relationship, how my journey with All of Us and None started, um, I went in as a young girl to prison when I was 23. And um, I was sentenced originally to 13 years, nine months. And you know, I was asked to be given 20 years um, on a conspiracy charge. And I just remember just going through the system. I was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, I was, you know, young girls, never been inside, was um, totally, you know, out of my element and was expecting for, you know, based off of TV, you know, for justice to prevail, so to speak, and um, was told that I was going to do a year in prison. So here I am now. I find myself in prison. I go to five different federal county, I mean, federal prisons. And uh, I had a conscience thought. I was just like, you know what? My life is not about me. And I need to fight for these women that I'm meeting behind these walls. You know, I started, you know, just, just, I met some of the most amazing, amazing women uh, during my uh, prison journey. And, um, I just was so dedicated on, like, how can I turn my life around when I get out, and how can I uh, lift these people up and fight for them? Because I remember when I was going through that, I was like, man, no one's going to speak up for me. I'm, like, in a twilight zone. No one's going to help me, you know. And my mother, you know, she was a single mom, didn't know anything about the system. I just felt forgotten and lost. And so um, I started – I'm from New Jersey, and I wanted to – a new beginning. So I came to California, um, a fish out of water. I, again, I, the last time I was in California was 20 years prior to that. And I just had no clue. I come, I went in as a young girl and I come out as, you know, was looked at as a grown woman in her thirties and it, who has these expectations to, you know, uh, you know, you got to live life. You got to get a job. You got to, you know, find your, your footing, you know, back now in society. And I was totally lost. And I met someone who was a documentarian and they were like, oh, you, uh, there's this organization called All of Us or None. And um, matter of fact, here's this woman's number. Her name is Hamdia. Call her. She might be able to get you some resources. And mm-hmm. so I, I called, which and it was Hamdia, who is the uh, – administrative director of all of us and none legal services for prisons with children. And she said, well, come down here. And uh, that's what I did. I took the 40 minute walk from the halfway house where I was at at the time to 4,400 and market street. And I remember as soon as I walked in, I had this big smile on my face and then I burst out into tears, right? Because that walk was so traumatic for me. And I just remember the feeling of just women who, could identify and relate to what I was going through. They just circled me and they told me that it was going to be okay. And um, at this time, it was two weeks before the, I'm sorry, a week before the application process uh, closed for the Elder Freeman uh, Policy Fellow. And I remember saying, oh my goodness, I can't do this. And then I had women around me and men around me who could relate to me and they said, yes, you can. Yes, you can do this. So I, uh, went back to the halfway house. I focused on the application and I got the job and 
they gave me purpose because this is what I told myself, you know, while I was inside that, you know, I told God that only way I'll be okay with God, what happened to me is if I can use it for a purpose, use my experience to help those that are currently still in captivity and prevent those from helping for those to go um, in that direction. So I did a year policy fellowship. And then um, I think during that year, it was evident that, you know, I went to school for film and uh, television prior to prison. I had an opportunity to train under John Singleton and that still Mm -hmm. shine within my work. I always wanted to uh, talk to people, learn their story. Oh, yeah, you you, you uh, dropped off oh, for a minute so there, sorry. London. Oh, yeah, you I'm said sorry. you wanted to um to learn their people's stories um in you know with film. I think you said yes. I wanted to. Uh, that bug was still in me, so it was like you know I wanted to be able to do work that would help to change the narrative of our people and to empower them and to teach them. So uh, Legal Services for Prisons with Children, All of Us and None, created, this is my second year, and they created a communications fellowship for me so that to uh, harness my work and to help me. And so that is what I've been doing since January. And just to show you the type of organization that I work with and how they support me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is that is such a wonderful story. I think um, I was um, in the email I sent to you, I said, I think the first time I saw you was on a panel with uh, with Ken Oliver, the policy director, Dorsey, uh, executive director, yourself, and maybe one other person. Was that at the um, the conference um, for the uh, California Lawyers for the Arts? Uh, where you where the they con- showed with it. Oh, yes, cause they, that they, was you, us. you made yes. a film, and 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 Dorsey, they played it, and Dorsey said you made it, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this yes. is very nice. Was that was that yes. at that conference yes. that I that I saw you it for the was. first time? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a really awesome film that you made. Um, what was the campaign that that was about? I appreciate that. So what that did was highlighted. We had our first. Uh, in a long time, I'm not going to say it was our first, but we haven't had it in many years, um, All of Us and None Retreat. So All of Us and None has over 24 active chapters across the United States. So what we did is we flew in two of members from each uh, chapter, and, and they came to Oakland, and we had a big convening and seeing what everybody has going on and their work and how can we, you know, empower one another this different All of Us and None chapters. And so what that uh, video, minute video was just that beautiful two days that we spent with one another and how we're all, you know, fighting for one cause, you know, we come together, all of us and none. Mm, right, right. Yeah, it was very, very nice. Where does it live now, the um, mm-hmm. uh, the short film that you made? Um, well, you can always go to our website, which is prisonerswithchildren.org. It's all of on our social media. So you can go to our Instagram or our Facebook page, which is uh, all of us or none as well. And I've also now um, started creating, that was a, a minute clip. Now we're actually going to a, what we would consider our full feature, which will end up being like 15 minutes, which you can also go and see the new one on our those sites. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. <laughs> so tell us about um, Quest for Democracy, Sakata. Uh, Sakati, because I um, I heard that um, that you are like the main organizer, and in London, you are the one that's uh, sort of in charge of the entertainment, I believe. And so together, you all have put on this wonderful conference, which is from 10 to 2 on Monday, um, May 18th, next week. And and how do people um, register uh, for the conference? And is it free? It is free, and we do have a registration link. Um they can register at HTTPS, and it'll be a semicolon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash dq four d twenty twenty o r g r s v p. Now, if that was not um, understandable <laughs> to many. Please feel free to go to Eventbrite and search for 2020 Digital Quest for Democracy, and you're welcome to register there. Oh, you know what else? Because um, this is what I did. I just went to um, Prisoners with Children um, uh, dot org events, and 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 there it is, uh, Digital Quest for Democracy, and then you just click the box. Click here to RSVP, yes. and yes. I have that linked. Um, I have I have a link to the PrisonsWithChildren.org forward slash events. I have it right here in the description of today's show. So that if that's easier, folks, uh, do that. <laughs> so what right. is Quest for Democracy with the Black Panther fist? You know, making the line <laughs> in the queue. That is like really, really good graphics. <laughs> And then there's yes. another, just in case you missed Everything. it, there's a Black Panther fist at the bottom, <laughs> um, you know, for all of us or none in the middle. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Quest for Democracy it is a day where hundreds of formerly incarcerated and convicted people, their family members and allies uh, convene to advocate um, with lawmakers to convince them to pass laws, um, on a platform of bills that would improve our access to employment, housing, and education, and to restore civil rights and human rights. So what took place this year, as everyone knows, is we're in a stay-in-place order um, in most cities and counties in California. So generally what we would do in the past is load up buses from all over California, meet in Sacramento. We'd have a day of... Uh, community uh, advocacy training, and that would train everyone who was interested in how to do legislative visits. This teaches folks how to actually go in and speak with the legislator concerning a bill or a budget ask. Um, And once that was done, we would have lunch, entertainment, and then we would start legislative visits to give folks a hand on uh, training of this is how you do it. Uh, most folks who are formerly incarcerated and even family members, friends, and allies do not understand or know how to do this. So this year we, we're putting together a training that will be able to be viewed online uh, prior to the day of advocacy that will take place online 
with um, legislators and senators. I believe that this is one of the greatest things um, that anyone who is formerly incarcerated can do, not just for themselves, but for the best of our community. Um, We cannot have change if we sit around and mope and talk about it and get angry about it. We have to get beyond that, and we have to move forward to say, hey, let me go down here to this legislator who my family member may have voted in and let them know that this is what we need to get done because ultimately they work for us. We don't work for them. So in order for this to be a true democracy, we have to stand up, we have to be counted, we have to come in in numbers to let them know that this is what we demand, this is what needs to be done, and we're going to sit here for you to do it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I was wondering um, if maybe both of you could, could maybe talk about some of the, um, uh, I guess, some of the initiatives, because um, you actually write laws there at LSPC, and and then and then they become bills. I mean, well, you write. I don't know. Give me the language for it. But I I know what you you write. Like Friends of Ban the Box was something that LSPC generated, and now it's a law. So, what what um, uh, what uh, legislation is pending, and what are you going to be looking at? And how do you lobby um, digitally? Okay, so, well, first, the three things that LSPC, all of us or none, will be pushing for um, is, as London uh, mentioned earlier, ACA 6 um, slash AB 646. This is voting rights for people on parole, and close to 50,000 people in the state of California cannot vote because they are currently on parole. We still pay taxes. Um, We still uh, have to do our civic duties, Um, but we cannot cannot vote and we cannot serve on juries. So how am I fully restored my rights if I cannot vote? So that is uh, one of, 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 of great importance. For, for, you know, our families. How do I teach my kids to vote if I can't? Um, then you also have involuntary servitude. This is a policy advocacy for the removal of exceptions clauses to involuntary servitude for the conviction of a crime from the California Constitution. Because as most people do not understand, um, involuntary servitude is stated as someone who who is um, able to be held against their will and treated um, as a slave. So we, we want that removed because we're not chattel. Um, we, are, we are human beings who made mistakes. We're also working on a bill, um, or rather budget ask, based on housing, and um, we're asking for quite a bit here. Uh, we're asking for monies to be allocated for community-based organizations to purchase um, properties and um, and housing to have transitional, and as I like to call it, transformational housing um, for folks coming home and, and even for some homeless people out on the streets. Most people don't understand that 73% of people who are homeless in the city of Oakland alone are formerly incarcerated and have some sort of police contact in their life. 
which keeps them from being able to rent. And again, as I was stating earlier to you, I've done property management, and one of the greatest things that really upset me and, and helped me to say, yes, I'm walking away from this, was the fact that I could not rent apartments to folks who had prior convictions, no matter how long ago the conviction was. Or if, for instance, a young lady who was convicted of a marijuana um, offense, well, marijuana is now legal. So how are we holding this against her and not able to offer her a place to live based on that prior conviction? Um, So we want to be able to um, be just like organizations like GEO, well, not organizations, but conglomerates like GEO, who once was called Whack and Hut, to be able to go in, get funding, not be overshot because of persons like GEO who can meet absurd uh, requirements in order to even be uh, looked at for a, a grant. Um, so that all the barriers are removed that keep us as um, community-based organizations on the back burner for uh, being given grants and, and other monies from local um, and state government. Uh, to me, this is one of the things that most people overlook. Housing is a necessity. It, it, it is one of our major needs as a human being. It is not a want, it is not a choice, it is a need. And to continue to use former, formerly incarcerated people as a reason for, or I'm sorry, past convictions of formerly incarcerated people as a barrier, as a, a, in my opinion, a way to discriminate again against brown and black people because we are the ones who tend to get the sentences that people that are not of color do not get. So this is just another form of discrimination, and to get that barrier removed, we would like to have things like access to the 4,366 parcels of vacant land that the state of, or sorry, the city of Oakland, for instance, has to build transitional or transformational living. Um, so those are our asks, um, and I. I I want to be alive and well and see them done. Um, You know, it's just I'm not a slave. I need a place to live, and I need to vote. Right, right. And and also be able to participate, you know, on juries. Um, but I just yes. want to I want to add I want to add to what you said. It's not just a need; it's a right. It's a human right. Yes. Um, I mean, this yes. this country has not adopted the universal um, uh, human rights um, that were set out through the uh, um, the United Nations um, yes. because this, yes. this country this country sort of decides not to participate in anything that has to do with human rights. But it is a right. You know, everyone has a right to housing, to food, to education, uh, to a decent wage, and and so, you know, one good thing about about this um, uh, this coronavirus is it's it's kind of equalizing things, and and sort of you know letting everyone see that hey they've got money to do this so all along, <laughs> you know yeah. these inequities didn't need to happen. If you can house us now, then why didn't you house us before last year, right? Before yeah. November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the things that we also 
I like to yeah, highlight and just so people can relate to uh, yes. with this whole COVID-19 shelter in place is, you know, one of the things that's been sparking up a conversation is like what uh, the mental health uh, issues that, you know, it's causing for um, with people's shelter in place, like the effect that has on one's mental and, you know, way of life. Um, and so, but just imagine for folks who are in prison are locked up in these uh, small yeah. spaces where we have the luxury to we're still home and shelter is hard, you know, but you have the luxury of walking around your apartment or like Ken mm-hmm. Oliver, who you mentioned, who's our policy manager, who uh, spent eight years in solitary confinement, what that can do to one's uh, mental health. So it's also helping us to create conversations when we're like, you know, uh, just, something that's been happening to us all along and now it's all of a sudden becoming relatable because uh, folks are having shelter in place. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and then I always say, you know, um, I mean, I might be sheltering in place, but my my shelter is not the size of a toilet, a bathroom, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, right. I've got the bathroom, I've got a living room, I've got a kitchen, and I can leave. You know, I can go right. for a walk. Um, whereas, you know, someone, you know, our, our brothers and sisters who are locked up, if someone, if some, you know, they might, they might get an hour, you know, out, you know, to be able to walk around. But if someone is, someone walks in the infection, you know, a, a CO, correctional officer, a nurse, someone who comes in and out then that means that if, if someone who is incarcerated becomes in contact with that person, that means the whole housing unit gets shut down for two weeks or well, more. Yes. It's actually been longer than that. So what we're finding out now is reports is coming in. If, you know, watching one community, one mic, uh, mm-hmm. we tap into different chapters, uh, you know, across the United States. And one of the main questions is, like, what's going on behind the walls in your state? So what we're seeing now is that the rate is getting, uh, it's just growing. It's still a growing increasing of folks that are dying, uh, not just being affected by COVID-19, but are dying behind the walls. Um, there's no mm-hmm. way for social distancing behind the, in the walls. Uh, folks are um, definitely being locked down, uh, not getting adequate uh, medical help, not getting uh uh, cleaning supplies and so so what we're also uh resorting to is sending money to our folks on the inside just so that they can purchase soap that's not given to them so there's just right now yes we do have quest for democracy digital quest for democracy going on but we are tirelessly like working not just for our folks that are coming out but trying to figure out how can we folks our help our folks that are currently still you know there with with no type of help and resources. So it's it's definitely, mm-hmm. um, I think I can speak for a lot of us that's in this work. It's uh, our workload has definitely increased. It's been a nonstop, you know, because every day is different. So within these last past two months, mm-hmm. definitely right, helping. right. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just want to lift up the name of Patricia Wright, who um, is one of you know many women who um, she's a black woman who. Uh, is in prison because of um, domestic violence, and and she has third stage cancer, and 
Um, and there are mm-hmm. a lot of women who, um, and men too, but a lot of women who are, um, you know, really vulnerable. And you could imagine, you know, someone whose immune system is already compromised because of chemotherapy, because of being sick, and then and then having to, you know, be faced with potential of becoming uh, infected by this this disease that seems like it's highly contagious, highly contagious, and um, you know, COs are just recently wearing protective gear, and I don't know how mm-hmm. consistent that is. And it's not consistent, Wanda. And you can go to mm-hmm. our our All of Us or None Instagram page, and we have video clips where we, you know, share amongst the type of uh, different orgs that do the type of work that we do. We share so uh, people have been getting video clips of what's happening on in the inside. And people mm-hmm. are literally, we have live footage of people that's currently incarcerated who are laying in their, on their bunks who have COVID and they're just laying there amongst everybody and just kind of fending for themselves. It's, and it's, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It really is heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's so, inhumane. At the very mm-hmm. least, it's inhumane. Right, yeah. I didn't even know that California had... Um, you know this uh, the servitude clause. Yeah, I never heard about. You know, we hear about the Thirteenth Amendment, but I never heard that right here, like in our own backyard. You don't have to think federally, but right here, you know, in California, that this is a part of the Constitution. Wow, where where how could a where would it how would a person search it to be able to read it? Where is it at? Um, they would search for just the um, so. Let me understand what you're asking. You're asking me how can someone go and find that clause in the California yeah. Constitution? Right. So they, uh-huh. would look, they would look at the California Constitution, and it is still also, I believe it's the 13th Amendment of the California Constitution as well. And I yes, believe, it is. <clears throat> go ahead, Linda. Yes, so it is, and... Uh, you know, what we speak highly on is breaking down the 13th Amendment. And, of course, if anybody uh, can go watch uh, the 13th by Ava DuVernay, the uh, documentary, our executive director, uh, Dorsey Nunn, is also a part of that as well. But and that's why we really encourage people to come to Digital Quest for Democracy, because what's happening is uh, a policy, right, that's what we do is why we work in pot. We uh, believe that in order to create real change, that we have to support policies, come up with policies, or be there to oppose policies, right? And so a policy is what turns into bills, bills or laws. And so what this year for our Digital Quest for Democracy, we are going to, you know, I don't want to discourage people like myself, like uh, Quest for Democracy is for people, when I first started with uh, LSTC, all of us and none, I didn't know, under, have no type of understanding about policies. And this is a beautiful day event that you can uh, join us on Monday, and we're going to break that down for you. And we're going to – you're going to hear people be able to break down what exactly is involuntary servitude, how how does it still affect us till this day, and what we need to do as a people to demand California to uh, uh, remove that. And there's already states who have done this or in the process of it. And so – 
uh, yes, these are Monday is a great day for folks to come and learn about what's our plans and uh, how we're going to do this as a movement. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. Not even just a movement, but as individuals learning, like we can't move on anything that we haven't learned about. And once we learn about it, our hope is that other folks from other states um, log in and participate in learning how to uh, a coalition of people to do these legislative visits in their state as well. And if you get another state to start and another state to start and another state to start and another state to start, well, then the solidarity um, binds itself to each other, and we're able to make a move maybe even federally. Each, mm-hmm. If each one would teach one, we would be one step closer because the struggle right. never ends. It, it continues. So mm-hmm. if, if each one would teach one and reach one, I mean, our, our goals will, will, will be a little more met, but, again, the struggle does, does continue. Um, I do hope and pray that, again, other people from other states will log in and, 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 and participate in the education and listen and see how legislative visits are done and um, that it will empower them. We, we, we all have to know how to engage with those who we place in office right. and help them yeah. understand that we have employed them. They work for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Particularly um, um, when we uh, are able to vote, then we have they, they're accountable to us in a way that they aren't necessarily accountable when, when um, citizens don't participate or can't participate. Um, which is really important that um, these um, these bills pass that allow people to have their right to vote returned, restored, and uh, yeah. Um, so, wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, both of you about how the how the the day is gonna go, like sort of how is it gonna start and what's gonna happen, who's gonna give us some names or who's gonna be speaking about what, and then give again the information on how people can register. Sure. So the day will begin um, as as um, Ken will introduce and give a talk and talking points on what Quest for Democracy is. And I will thank everyone who is there. Um, Dorsey will give a, um, um, I won't even say a speech. He will share from his heart what it is to him, and, um, wow, what he hopes it will be, and maybe he'll share his vision. I I hope for that as well. Um, Also, what we will do is give an opportunity for um, quite a few of the organizations that will ally with us and give them a few moments to, to speak on either what it is that they will be working on or just to introduce themselves. We'll also have a few of the legislators, and I believe Senator Skinner will speak as well. Um, After the speaking, we will have entertainment, and I'll let London take over from here so that she can give you the full gist of who we have lined up for entertainment. Okay. 
Well, thank you. Well, first of all, I just want to say that, you know, I know that it's like, oh, my goodness, if anybody else right now, like Zoom is a new thing, right? So everybody's been working from home, sitting in front of their computer and their TVs, and it's like, why would I want to sit in my computer for four hours? Well, I'm just encouraging folks to please join us because we are – this is going to be a very exciting day. Like when we're opening, we have Maserati I, who is – a brother who just uh, uh, came out of San Quentin and has a beautiful voice, a beautiful message, who we bless in his presence at the opening of the show. Then we have different organizations that are uh, doing the same work, and we all, some of us have, like, uh, fighting for immigration rights and ICE, fighting against ICE and voting. So you're going to be able to hear from different organizations across the United States to see who's doing what and how can you participate or get involved with then we're going to have our uh, entertainment section where we have collaborated with Hip Hop for Change, which is another nonprofit organization that really helps uh, the youth on diversion on like uh, uh, using their art and their uh, their their different skills to to encourage them to, you know, to stay out of the street life and how can they express themselves. So we're joining up with them as far as uh, they're going to put on a whole little skit for us. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be a little bit of singing, a little bit of rapping. And we have Gawapale who's going to be uh, blessing us with her uh, voice and her presence. And then we are going to show folks what does a actual digital visit look like. And so what that looks like is we're going to be uh, uh, in a few days, we're going to be uh, letting everybody know what our policy platform is going to be. And what folks are going to be able to do is to hop into these different rooms and to also participate in a digital uh uh, visit of uh, alleged visit, and so we're going to have the different legislators as well as their staff to come in and to basically hear the policies that we are pushing that directly affects our people and our community, and uh, be able to uh, ask some questions and be able to share uh, uh, for some of us who have direct. Uh, 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 experience, you know, who have been impacted by these policies that we're pushing to share their stories and why these bills and these policies need to be passed. Also, if, you know, you don't want to do a legislative visit, we'll also be having panel discussions where we'll be having one where what does it look like when people uh, come out of prison who's been in prison for decades and come out back into society after the age of 50, you know, uh, things and barriers that they that particular age group, what they face. We'll also be having a panel discussion about how can we build community with our allies who are folks that are uh, directly impacted, meaning that they've been to prison, and those who are system impacted or just work in the uh, in the criminal justice reform field as well. Like, how can we build that bridge with one another and uh, – and work together. What does that look like? So we have a lot of different things for folks. Uh, you're not. You will have the opportunity to bounce around. It's going to be a whole virtual platform, and it's 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 going to be a good day. It's going to be a grand day. So please, please, please uh, 
go to our website, which is legal services, I'm sorry, prisonerswithchildren.org to RSVP. You can go to Eventbrite and just put in Digital Quest for Democracy, or you can reach us at Instagram or Facebook at All of Us or None, and you can click the links in the bios to RSVP. It's very simple. And if all that fails, um, please feel free to email me directly at Sukati. Um, it's S like Sam, U, C like cat, C like cat, A, P like Tom, T like Tom, I at prisonerswithchildren.org. Right, yeah. And today is just like a preview because today is Wednesday. And on Wednesday is the One Community, One Mic, or One Mic, One Community, which is uh, hosted by London, who is on the air right now. And it's last week I couldn't get in, and I was just like, I've been, I've been participating since it was the Friday, right? And so from 12 to 1, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. So, um yeah. <laughs> how how do people? I apologize um, about that, Wanda. I apologize. And so, what? Yeah, I got what a was few last emails. week? What I missed. <laughs> so what? What was we the topic? A, we actually canceled it last week, and our oh. email that we wanted to send out to our listeners. Yeah, just because we've been so swamped with Q for D, uh, yes. we didn't have the opportunity to put the panel together. But for sure, it will be on today which is I'm really okay. excited about today, which is at 12 o'clock as well. Right, right. And, and tell us some of your guests. Uh, we have uh, Ken Oliver, who is our policy manager, uh, mm-hmm. who, you know, just spent over two decades in prison and has been out less than a year. He's going to uh, talk about voting and uh, how do we even get to this place? Like, why is it that 50,000 folks that are currently on parole had the right to vote and uh, folks like myself who did federal time and I just came home because because I have a federal um, uh, conviction that I'm able to vote. We also have Desmond Mead, who's the executive director of uh, Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, which, you know, he did that monumental, uh, him and his folks out there, they are doing amazing, amazing work. Uh, as far as the voting rights, but they're still in the battle. So we're going to let them give an update of of how did it take to get to where they're at and uh, what what different issues that they're currently going through. We have Tanya Fogel, who's uh, over there in Kentucky. So she's going to explain to us where Kentucky is at. We have Gary Sneller, who is a part of RISE. He's not formally incarcerated, but he's going to be talking about how he is fighting for uh, folks' voting rights. We have Amina Elster, who used to be an Elder Freeman Policy Fellow at All of Us or None, who is just graduated. I have to big up Amina Elster, our sister, who was a lifer oh, and came home not too nice. many years ago, and now just graduated uh, from Berkeley. From UC Berkeley, right? From UC Berkeley, yes. Uh, she will be. Uh, she's done all that since she's been home, but still cannot vote. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to be, and then it'll be myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, it's going to be really awesome, really awesome. Yeah. So, um, any any closing thoughts um, uh, about who should be, um, you know, um, at the quest for democracy? I remember last year, um, I, uh, I'm trying to think what happened. I think I missed the bus. 
<laughs> and oh, I really no. was like, I had taken <laughs> off of work, and I was there at Fruitvale Bart, and, you know, it's like, oh, man, I didn't know where the bus was stopping. And I think I saw the bus leaving or something anyway. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I was so disappointed. Um, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> and and some of the women that I visited in, at uh, uh, the um, uh, Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla are now free, and, and they were at Quest for Democracy. Quest for Democracy is just such a wonderful kind of reunion, but it's so powerful because, yeah, you know, yeah. folks are able to, like, advocate and not, you know, through somebody, but themselves, right? It's just, right and, you know, we right. have children that are with their parents, um, you know, parents talking about, you know, being with their kids and, you know, not being able to go on field trips because of, you know, certain kinds of laws that prohibit parents who were formerly incarcerated for certain kinds mm-hmm. of crimes from being able to be around children. It's like, wow. Right. You know, some of these stories you hear are just like, really? And and then and then after everybody goes into you know the the chambers and then they come out and do report backs, that's so powerful as well. Like what happened, um, you know? And and yeah, and you see real change happening. You know, the laws are getting passed. You know, they're being um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, what do you call it when when a legislator um, sort of takes. Uh, a policy and in and sort of follows it for the organization to make it into a law. What do you call it? Um, so they'll sponsor it. Right, sponsoring, thank you. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And this is go ahead. I know I said it's wonderful when they sponsor and adopt what it is that you've worked for. Right, right. You really feel like, wow, this is what democracy looks like, which is why the quest for democracy is such a great name, right? Because we often don't feel like this is a democracy, but when you actually see a policy that you crafted, you know, move into uh, sort of debunking, you know, a law that's been on the books forever, but nobody knew it. <laughs> and yeah. you know you just change it you know because you know one the new law overrides the old policy it's just just wonderful and remarkable and you just feel like real change is happening so i want to um Absolutely. you know congratulate you on you know this uh quest of democracy is coming up which one is it for the organization you said which one is it yes which quest for democracy is this one Sure. Like so what, this one what is anniversary? The seventh. The seventh. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Seventh. And I just want to encourage you folks is that when we say that during this fight, right? We yes, we uh, to push policy takes great amount of work, right? But it's very it's necessary work, and if not us, then who? And but democracy needs everyone, and so just if you're not formally incarcerated, please, we need you just as much in this fight. You know, sometimes that your voice can reach places that our voice cannot. And what we're asking is for you guys to stand, uh, for folks to stand next to us, that we need these numbers. So please, you know, if, you know, you have a loved one that's currently uh, incarcerated or has been incarcerated, or if you just do not believe in the way the system uh, treats our folks, then please uh, come stand next to us, log in, and the 
the cool thing, what you said about Wanda, you know, folks missing the bus. And, you know, we heard a couple of those stories and, you know, having to take off work. But this year, you will be able to do it from your phone. You can log in, uh, you know, in your pajamas, whatever suits you. You know, just, <laughs> just all you have to do is just click on that link and do it from the comfort of wherever you're at. Yeah, this year you can't miss the bus. There's not a bus to miss. Um, the only thing you can do is mistype in the word, but um, you'll find it. Um, this is your chance to stand up, to be heard, to not um, to not just say, hey, I want to, but if you don't participate, the this is how I feel about it. You know how you have a group of people who say, well, I didn't want that person in office. So my question to them always is, did you vote? And when they say no, I ask them why. And they say, well, my opinion didn't matter. So I ask them, then why are you giving an opinion now? You have the the option, the choice to vote, and you chose not to. So Quest for Democracy is the opportunity for you to have a voice, to not only understand how a bill becomes a law, but to be empowered, even if for the very first time, to be empowered, to, to, to interact, to change, to move, to, to facilitate, and to teach others after you learn how to get her done. Uh, we, we, we can't fight the fight by ourselves. Um, we, can, we can set the table, but you've got to come over to eat. So we're just mm-hmm. asking everyone to participate, as, as London said. Please participate. Numbers matter. Um, one person, one person by themselves is cold, but two people can band together and keep each other warm. And that third person helps them to stay even more warm. So imagine the rest that join them and see them, Hey, we're cold, but you gather together and you become warm together. This, this, this fight, this fight is so much stronger. You know, when you have a group, when you have more than a group, um, we need you, and change does not happen with just one voice. It happens with the multitude. And if, if, you, if you don't understand change, the civil rights movement didn't happen with just Dr. Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. It happened with everyone who believed what they said and stood in solidarity with them and, and, and fought unto death, that we would have the ability to vote the ability to go to better schools, the ability to be most of all heard. So please stand up, be heard, be educated, and be empowered. Uh, well said. I don't think I don't think um, anyone could um, follow that. What do you think, London? That was that was very well well put. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So again, well, it's so wonderful. To go to our website. Um, org. look up under events and click on that button and register yourself. Right, and right. And, yeah, and I just want to mention that, you know, um, um, Legal Services of Prisons with Children, all of us and none, and all of the, um, you know, the allies that are connected to, to um, you know, this wonderful um, uh, organizations, um, which I didn't name all of them, and, you know, an Elder Freeman, you know, who was one of the founders of the Los Angeles chapter of the Black Panther Party and was, um, I'm trying to think, he was um, 
a uh, bishop, I think, in the uh, the St. John Coltrane Church, because he and um, and Bishop Archbishop um, Fonzo were really good friends, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful man, and and he was my friend, and so whenever whenever I I meet a new fellow, you know, like you, London, I just just feel like you know Elder Freeman is is still living, you know. Still living. <laughs> Yeah, through through your work, because he was, you know, like, wow, he was really for the people, you know, loved the people and was about doing the kind of things necessary to make this country, um, this democracy be one where, you know, everyone can benefit, uh, citizens and residents. So, um, yeah, and that's about freeing that's them all and about all of us or none, right? So yeah, just really, really love the work that you all are doing, and looking forward yeah. to Monday. Looking forward to this afternoon. Um, yeah, really excited um, <laughs> to um, to get my uh, my Wednesday plug in. Like, okay, what's going on? All of us are none, you know. It's like <laughs> this is like okay, now um, I know what I need to be doing right. Honey, <laughs> you, I really appreciate you. Really, you should. <laughs> I really appreciate your support. Thank you. We do. Uh, you're quite welcome. So I'm going to let you all go because I know there's probably still more more planning that needs to happen to make Monday be you know go smoothly. And then and then London, you're like on like very shortly. <laughs> so I appreciate yes. you spending time with us and love to have you on again. You know to talk about sort of like what happened and you know and what the next steps are because there's always Please, you yes, know, something family, to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, we might need to have you on one community, one mic as well. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, sure. Let me know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You take good care. Have a good rest of the morning and uh, keep up the good work. Looking forward to to seeing you a little bit later, London. (laughs) Thank you. See you later, Wanda. You're quite welcome. Thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. Peace and blessings. Ashe. Ashe. See, oh man, I was trying to figure out what am I going to play. I was thinking about since we're talking about democracy, uh, Renee Marie. I had this really great interview with her. Oh man, nine years ago, and we were talking about uh, "Voices of My Beautiful Country," which is um, a uh, a CD that she made, and um, and um, I think I'm going to play. Um, the uh this really wonderful drums drum solo and uh and then I'm going we're going to go out with with this interview. Ah oh, gosh, there's so many great songs on this particular album. I mean, she's had more since then, but this happens to be one of my favorite. I'm going to play um I'm going to play Lift Every Voice um and the Star Single Banner and then we're going to roll into uh, maybe a couple of more pieces and then the interview. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring with a heart.
Yeah. 
Well, I just want to tell you I'm so excited about your coming to town in I a couple know. of days. I am too. <laughs> yeah, with this fabulous new CD. You look so beautiful on the front. Who took your picture? Girl, it's so gorgeous. That, I tell you, her, her name is Mary Lynn Gillespie. Mm. And actually, she's a former jazz vocalist. Really? Um, yeah, she sang with this group. Oh, what is the name of that group? I'm going to die if I don't remember that. Let me look it up now while we're still talking. Okay, sure. But anyway, she's, yeah. she's a she she's a jazz vocalist with this um it was a vocal trio mm-hmm. and um and now she's a photographer amazing photographer and i love i hate taking photographs but i loved it with mary lynn because there's nothing like having a female photographer mm-hmm. <laughs> right right yeah you know and mm-hmm. because she sees things from a woman's perspective you know what i mean mhm Mm-hmm. And it was really helpful, so I just love working with her. And that dress is stunning, and your hair is so cute. Ooh. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank it's you. It's like, ooh, okay, we won't even open the CD. We'll just have it on our counter <laughs> as, a, as art. <laughs> oh, me. Yeah, yeah, she really did a great job. Mm-hmm. Everybody who saw that photograph just said, wow. Yeah, it's really stunning. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She worked yeah. her magic for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, you're you're a great subject. I mean, you're already magical. <laughs> wow, well, thank you, thank you. So, tell me about this new CD uh, on Motima, your your new label, uh, Voice of My Beautiful Country. Um, yeah, and particularly, let's start with, you know, your your arrangements of so many songs that we think we know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it's like. Oh, yeah, that's that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, for instance, when I was listening, you know, Just My Imagination, I remember singing that when I was a kid. Just yep, it's like right. It's like, whoa, I love that song. And then mm-hmm. White Rabbit is so lovely. Oh, my. Yeah. And Drift Away, uh, that's my favorite. Oh, my goodness. See, see so you see, you know, somebody, somebody my age, like, the, those songs, Basically, I, I think those songs kind of follow the arc of my of my life. Mm. For instance, I grew up as a very young child listening to John Henry, as an example. Oh, okay. And oh, Shenandoah. Uh-huh. And then as I got a little older, um, that's when I started listening to, um, to you know, as a teenager, White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And Motown, uh, Motown, the, um, what is it called? Just my imagination, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then I heard Roberta Flack sing Anhalitos Negros. Oh, and then okay. I learned imagination. Black angels, that is yes. so pretty. Um, yeah, I was reading, you know, what you said about that particular one. You know, connecting, you know, um, you know, African uh, American heritage to uh, Latino heritage, and we're already connected anyway. Exactly. Uh, you know. Uh, if you look at sort of the work of, um, I'm trying to think of the uh, uh, historian. Um, oh man, he did a lot of work around the black presence in Mexico. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? I don't. Oh, no. I'll, 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 I have to look it up. I don't know why I'm drawing okay. the blank. Yeah, yeah, but we have this organization here called um, it's called Baji, a Black Alliance for Just Immigration, and and the whole idea is is creating um, alliances between people of the diaspora um, because, you know, it's the same story. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So anyway, when I was reading, I was like, oh, she would love Baji. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting because, I mean, the whole idea to put Anelitos Negros on the CD mm-hmm. stemmed from the the latest uh, backlash against Hispanics mm-hmm. in this country by um, by certain Americans who want to close borders. And, you know, it's just um, more racist expressions coming up, but this time it's against Hispanics. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I just, you just see it as chapter 157, <laughs> you know, in the chapter of, um, of of racial intolerance. And so it's it just, you know, the, the, the um, translation of those lyrics of Angelitos Negros basically is painters, when you paint the, the virgin, you paint her white, but what about the angels? Why do you paint only white angels? Aren't the black angels beautiful too? Mm-hmm. Paint the beautiful black angels. And um, I just think that's a lovely thought. It's taken from a poem of a well-known poet, um, Hispanic poet. I wish I could remember his name. I'm sorry I don't. Mm-hmm. But it's just a beautiful thought and a beautiful sentiment, and I think it's applicable to what's going on in our country now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the uh, the scholar's name is Ivan Van Sertima, and he wrote oh, They okay. Came Before Columbus. That's one of his more oh. uh, well-known books. And he looks at the um, uh, the Olmec, uh, pre- you know, the, those those uh, sculptured pieces, as well as the pyramids in Mexico, uh, mm-hmm. as uh, evidence of of the presence of African people in in Mexico, mm-hmm. yeah. Ah, nice, nice. So tell me about um, I I I missed the controversy completely around uh, "Lift Every Voice," uh, you know, set to um, the music of the Star Spangled Banner. Um, mm-hmm. You do that. I mean, you're just so good. Where do you where do you get these great ideas? <laughs> Girl, I'm crazy, and I have and I have no fear. Mm. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I, I do have fear, but I use it as a stepping stone. I, I allow the energy that's contained in the fear to push me forward rather than to hold me back. And when I feel that fear, I know it's exactly what I should do. Mm-hmm. The, the very thing that I feel with fear of, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm thinking about doing this. <laughs> then I know... But that's Renee. That's the direction you need to go, and so it it all started with um, an interview that I did in Russia. I was on tour there, and at, I was at a television station there, and the the Russian interviewer asked me a question. I can't even tell you what the question was, but she said, "So, as an American, you know, blah blah blah," and. I almost interrupted her to say, oh, excuse me, you made a mistake. I'm not American. It was like she had called me Argentinian or mm. Armenian, you know. Mm-hmm. And But I, I caught myself and I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I almost corrected this woman. And so heading back home across the Atlantic, I was thinking about what had happened in my life that I would, feel as though 
to be called an American was a mistake, that somebody had made a mistake. And I started thinking about the first ten the first ten years of my life when I grew up under Jim Crow laws. And I think, Wanda, that that had something to do with it. Hmm. Because when you're a child, or even an adult, but especially a child, there's no one to help you process what's going on with you. You get these um, these looks from older African Americans, and they can be older siblings or you know aunts, cousins, or your own parents that let you know, don't do that. You can't go in there. Don't say that in front of these people. Don't act this way. Be quiet. There's you get pick up on a sense of there's a problem here, and that you have to weigh everything you do and say. But there's nobody. When you get home, you know, there's no way to process it. Nobody says now. Did you understand why I said that? It's just that you pick up on it and you realize I can't walk through this door. I have to sit here and not there. Uh, these white kids are on this bus and they go to that school, and we go on this bus to the other school. You don't really process it, so you just kind of swallow it until one day you become an adult and you go, you look around and think, something's wrong. Something is, something has affected me. So I allowed myself to go through that process musically and to take the patriotic songs that I grew up singing as a child, America the Beautiful and My Country Tis of Thee and the Star-Spangled Banner, and lift every voice and sing. Because, you know, after we sang all those patriotic tunes, we would always end every gathering during Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. We'd end every gathering singing lift every voice and sing because we knew that song definitely applies to our particular struggle and because it was written by two African Americans. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take those songs and, and rework them. I wanted to retain the lyrics, but take away the melody and replace it with a jazz-infused melody, a blues-infused melody, a gospel-infused melody to reflect the America I grew up in mm -hmm. as a child. Hmm. And nice. so that comprises the suite. Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a journey. It's a musical journey of this, of this country. Mm -hmm. And it's just one American's perspective, mine. That's it. I'm not trying to get other people to agree with me, no more so than I have with any other song that I've arranged or composed. It's just a <laughs> viewpoint. <laughs> yeah. Why are you laughing? Yeah. Why are you laughing, girl? <laughs> well, you know, the viewpoint <laughs> um, you mentioned in an interview that I read um, <laughs> um, that you know the viewpoint you know you think when you when you're uh, at a concert that everyone in the audience is with you mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, not necessarily right right yeah, yeah. not necessarily um you know everyone's not necessarily you know uh coming from the same same perspective and mm -hmm. you know it's like you can't be messing with my you know my anthem <laughs> That's right. yeah mm -hmm. and and then you and then you mentioned how since i think 2008 whenever the Star Spangled Banner is sung, you sing uh, the Negro National Anthem. 
in you know um, to yourself. And I, I uh, sing it I, right. I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to sing over top of anybody. Mm-hmm. But that's just the way I want to approach the love for my country. I want to. I want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's never been a campaign to get anybody to view it a certain way. I mean, this is art we're talking about. I, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm taking a political stance. I certainly wasn't thinking about it politically. I was just trying to process what I'd been through, through a musical expression. Mm-hmm. And that's what every song I arrange and compose is all about. But what happened was people who heard it, and and I and this is what happens with art. People who are affected by it, whether it's positive, negative, or otherwise, they are going to um, um, attach their interpretation of it mm-hmm. and go from there. The unfortunate thing was that their interpretation they they considered their interpretation to be my interpretation. So that's where things got a little muddy. Mm-hmm. because there was one particular person who was in, in Denver who was on the city council quite, quite vocal oh. about his interpretation, and um, that's what seemed to grab the attention of the media. And then the headlines just went crazy. It just went crazy. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They even asked Obama. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Obama's coming into Colorado <laughs> campaigning. Two days after I sang the song, he's in Colorado, and one of the first questions they asked him was, what do you think about this black woman who blah, 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 blah? Hmm. You know, and I was just thinking, this is nuts. Hmm. Wow. And there were people who were emailing me and saying that I was seriously jeopardizing Obama's presidency. Wow. And I was like, come on now, come <laughs> on now. <laughs> you know, how can a person's presidency be jeopardized by a song? But you know what? Music, art is really powerful. It's it's yeah. very powerful, and it's you know one one can't overlook the power of of you know a a rightly placed lyric, right? <laughs> this is true, and mm-hmm. and music, art, art in general is mm-hmm. powerful. Mm-hmm. You're you're right about that, but I I just felt that his his campaign was way too strong for this song to be effective, well, and I was right. Well, you probably, you probably made it even stronger. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got over 1,600 emails about that, you know. Wow, 1,600 emails. My goodness. Oh, at least 1,600, and I saved every single one of them. Oh, wow, okay. I still have them. Sounds like a book. I, <laughs> yes, it does, my dear. It does indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you started this um, uh, this contest that just ended, Voice of My Beautiful mm-hmm. Country, and so who who's your winner? And they're going to actually um, get to see you in concert in Washington, D.C. on July not 6th. Not only that, yeah, on July 6th, that's right, and not only that. Hmm. Well, first of all, the, the grand prize winner is Maggie Council, uh-huh. and she, is, um, she works for the city down in... Um, in Florida, in Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. But she's also a, a singer-songwriter. Mm. And she wrote this song called Bingo Bus on the Trail of Tears, which is mm. talking about what's going on on the uh, Cherokee Reservation. Nice. Um, 
and how everything has been so commercialized there on the Cherokee Reservation. It's a great tune. And so when she comes to D.C., she's bringing her guitar, and she's going to sing that song. I'm so excited about that. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, she's going to actually sing it and play it with my band, and I'm just going to sit in the audience and listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm proud of her. Mm-hmm. She did a great job. Yeah, and you have you have another, you had two runners-ups. So you have another winner? Uh, the two runners-up were Steve Ingemanson. Okay. He painted a picture uh, called uh, Voice of the... Oh, what is it? Oh, I should have pulled that up, child. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> um, let me see. Voice of the Forgotten. Mm-hmm. It's a photo, it's a, a image of a homeless woman sitting on the side of, on the sidewalk and women in the background dressed very fashionably mm. walking right past her and ignoring her. Ah. And uh, then the other runner-up is Gail Hollander, mm-hmm who did a sculpture called Holding It All. Oh, nice. Uh, it's just it's uh, a very involved sculpture about the history of the U.S., from Native American aspects, African American, Irish American, mm. Italian American, all of it with these two hands holding it all. Wow. It's beautiful mm-hmm. and a well-thought-out sculpture. So. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So... Um, so you mentioned Maggie's from Tampa, Florida. Where are the other two winners from? Gail Hollander is from um, Boulder, Colorado. Okay. And Steve Ingemanson is from D.C., Washington, D.C. area. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Yes. Ah, cool. You know, I was just, you know, talking a little bit more about, about this, this suite. You've got, um, you know, America the Beautiful um, one, and then you've got a drum. Um, is it a drum battle? Yes, it's actually um, a solo mm-hmm. that the drummer developed okay. over the months that we've been playing it. Mm-hmm. And so when we when we finally recorded it, there was this beautiful, compelling, haunting mm-hmm. drum solo that's simply amazing. It sounds like three drummers, but yeah. it's just him. Wow. And what he does is evoke battle between U.S. armies and Native Americans. Oh. So at the same time that he's playing the the, the Native American drum, war drum mm-hmm. feel, yes. you know, that boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, 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 While he's doing that, he's also playing on the snares the drums of the cavalry. You know how they used to mm-hmm. yes. play the drums in during war. Ah. And it's fascinating the way he plays two different time signatures, one with his feet and the other with his hands. Hmm. It just blows people away. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm so proud of the contribution that the musicians made to this musical idea mm-hmm. I had. It's just took yeah. it beyond what I ever dreamed it could be. Yes, it's really fantastic. And then you have your piano blues, and Ooh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, 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 mm. That boy can play. Yes, he can. <laughs> yeah, we hear him a lot. But this, uh-huh. is, like, this is very nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kevin Bales, he is fantastic. He really is. I'm lucky, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so lucky. And then you got, you know, my country... Uh, and the country to the B, yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Lift Every Voice and Sing, Star mm-hmm. Single Banner, and then you've got the 
America the Beautiful reprise. So it's, right. just, it's just very, very nice. Well, thank you. Yeah, very nice. Definitely could see, since you're an actress as well. <laughs> could Say see, that again? Since you're an actress as well. Uh-huh. I could see this as, you know, you're, you know, making this into like an opera. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put some more songs in it. You got an opera. Wow. Because, you know, you're telling the story of, of our people. Because it's really interesting when you go outside of this country, you're an American. And and I was like, it was so fun. When I was in Senegal, I, you know, I was in uh, Rufus, and the kids would say, you know, American, American. And I knew they were talking about me. And then mm-hmm. and then when I, I'm trying to think, and then when I got back to this country, I wasn't an American anymore. I had to put African-American or black American. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. Because someone asked me, are you, someone asked me, I said, I'm an American, and they, well, they were waiting for something else. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what what hyphenated American are you? And I'm like, I'm an American, just well, an American. here in the U.S.? Yeah, in the United States, but in Africa mm-hmm. and in Haiti and in other places, we're just American. Right. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> so it's um yes you know like you were saying you know when you were overseas and they asked you how you felt as an American you had to take them in it's like oh yeah they're talking to me. <laughs> yep. How about that? Mm-hmm. You're looking around like who are they? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's like somebody behind me or next to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So how did you get from Virginia to Denver? And and I don't. You got married in there because um, I was reading your husband when you were talking about your life in theater and this character um, Undine, and that that's my Udine. Oh, Udine. Udine. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And well, how you came with that character? Udine. Her name Udine. is Udine. Okay. Udine Morgan. <laughs> that's her name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the way I got from Virginia. Yeah, to Denver. To Denver. This is how it worked. Okay. I knew at the time, actually, I was living in Atlanta. Oh, okay. And I had been there for three years, and I knew it was time for me to go. But I didn't know where I was going to live, and I was just looking around for a place to stay, and um, I was willing to go anywhere in the U.S. as long as it was safe, sunny, and near a major airport. So um, I knew a person who owned some land in Colorado. And I was talking to him on New Year's Eve and wishing him Happy New Year and talking about his property. He was talking about it, about this property he could never rent. You know, he, he says, it's my best property, and it's been empty for like two months. I don't understand. So I said, well, maybe you're charging too much. How much are you charging? And when he told me the amount, it was exactly what I had said I could afford. Hmm. And over the phone, sight unseen, I said, I'll take it. That's that's exactly how it happened. Okay. And he started stammering, like, are you sure you don't want to come and see it first? No, nope. Because something was, you know how sometimes the universe kind of taps you on the shoulder mm-hmm. and says, you need to do this. Right. So that's exactly what happened, and... I didn't even question it, and I moved out there uh, 13 days later. Mm-hmm. I was moving into the apartment, and four days to the day of me moving to Colorado, I met the man that I ended up marrying. Oh, wow. We were both volunteering at the jazz station, KUVO. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to for their fund drive, you mm. know, their yes. pledge drive that they have. Yes. And the room was full of people sitting at the tables, and there was only one chair empty, and it was right in front of him. And it turned out, I found out months later, that he had bought my CD two years earlier. Mm. And when he saw my picture on it, he said, you know, he has a spiritual practice of addressing the ancestors and asking them for what he wants. Mm -hmm. And holding the CD in his hand, he looked at it and he says to his ancestors, please help me to meet this woman. And so two years later, (laughs) I sat right down in front of that boy. His ancestors are good, huh? I mean, they are really good. Girl. Girl. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Yes. And, you know, before I met him, when people would ask me, well, what what made you move to to Colorado? My answer would always be, I don't know, something just just seemed to call me here. Hmm. That was my pat answer. Yeah. And then when he told me his story, I was like, no way. It kind of scared me a bit because, I mean, that's some serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, spirit is real, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, but obviously your ancestors agreed with his ancestors. They they were, like, connecting with each other, and you just hadn't been in the part of the the plan yet. I wasn't in the plan. But but they, well, were, working, they were working on your behalf. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. So so is he a part of your ensemble? Um, My husband? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, he's a, he designs software. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he, he does uh, play the saxophone a little bit, just plays around with it. He doesn't play with any group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His, his, his dad used to play in a trio, so he learned from that. Mm-hmm. Right. Nice, nice. Yeah. And and I was just re- thinking about your sons, your lovely sons, and how supportive they've been of your career. And yeah. and, and your father, um, your father passed, right? He passed in 96. Right, yeah. He, he's still such a huge influence. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. And he was my also, son, Michael, the mm-hmm. one that encouraged me to start singing. Yes. He wrote a tune that's going to be on my, my next CD. Oh, nice. And he's singing. He and I are singing on it. I'm so happy. Oh, my. Is this the first? The two of you singing on, on, the, on, on, on the CD? On the CD. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Wow, that's amazing. That's yes, really amazing. Wow, super. And and when when are you going to bring your slut energy theory to the Bay Area? Girl, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to focus on the music and the play. Oh. Like I, can, like I can only do one or the other, Okay. I think. I just need a bunch of support around me. But for me to be doing it all, mm-hmm. and it's very hard for me to focus on on this, on this, uh, on singing and clubs and then doing the play. Mm-hmm. But I, I love doing that play. Oof. Yeah. It's cathartic for me. Because I was thinking um, uh, we've got a venue here called the Roz Room in Hotel Nico, and they mm-hmm. do musicals there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that'd be a nice. I think that would be a nice space for you, and you could have like a run. What I need is a, a small black box theater because it's mm-hmm. a very intimate place. Yeah, it's not meant to be done in a large venue. This so is a those, small. This is a small smaller, space. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. a small, small, small room. Mm-hmm. Sounds perfect. Yeah, Sounds yeah. Perfect. 
and there's some other other you know strictly theaters that would work as well. But I'm thinking wow. since since you're known you know as a you know as a musician, as a composer, as an artist, that would be a nice space. But there's some others here um, that probably you know could be really supportive. Like for instance, after your tour with this album, like while you're between projects, maybe. Yeah, that w- it would be really nice to see it because these stories that it sounds like you're telling with with you Dean um are unfortunately stories that are giving voice to a lot of things that are happening, you know, to women and girls and um, not just women. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I was so uh impressed by the number of men who showed up because the the, the play is not easy to sit mm-hmm. sit through. But um, there, I try to inject humor mm-hmm. in some appropriate places, in some places <laughs> that people might consider inappropriate. Uh, inject humor and music because life is like that. Amidst some very traumatic things that are happening to us, we can actually find laughter, either while it's while it's going on or immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because that's the human spirit, and so I tried to keep that in mind uh, during the play too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's the play is about sexual and domestic abuse, mm-hmm. and just tells the story of Eugene. That's right. It. Yeah, yeah. And and your two skirts and a shirt is that something that just stays on the East Coast, or does that ever? Is no, that ever... no, girl. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> We're trying our best to take these to get these other. I can't believe <laughs> I have so many projects. It's crazy. <laughs> but that that show is so much fun with me and Carla mm-hmm. Cook and. Alan Harris, yeah. child, is, I think we broke the law when we when we did it in New York. I think we must have done something illegal up on that stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so much fun. Oh, I love that show. Mhm. Yeah. So, so how many years now have you been free? You know, sort of um, both spiritually and physically and emotionally, and and I, and sort of as you look back and look forward, um, you know, sort of what. What are you taking with you um, from the past, and and what I'm taking all of it. Okay, I'm taking. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. uh, rid myself of any of that, mm-hmm. I, and I hope that I'll always keep it all. Does which doesn't mean that I'm trying to relive it, mm-hmm. but I'm not trying to hide any of it or forget any of it um, because all of it is is fodder or um, fertilizer mm-hmm. for my creativity. Mm-hmm. All of it is. In fact, that's, that's where Slut Energy Theory, ah. um, as a result of tapping into those memories mm-hmm. of some things in the play that um, reflect what happened to me, and then putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Because um, the, the main thing is that we are all human, and we all go through the same types of emotional lessons that we have to learn. We have different teachers, different classrooms that we learn these lessons in. We all have to learn them. Oops, I think that's my other that's my other um Yeah. Interview call. Okay. Well let me let you go ahead and take that call. Okay, and we would look forward to seeing you on Thursday at Yoshi's. Thank you, Wanda. And, uh, oh, just congratulations on everything. And so happy that you fit us in your schedule to make a stop here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad we finally got got ourselves, ourselves scheduled on the same 
Mm-hmm. Same time week, so thanks. Right. Okay, sure. You take care and safe travels. Okay. <laughs> Our peace and blessings. Bye-bye. Think that I'm wasting time. Mm-hmm. I don't understand none of the things I do. World outside looks so.
Help me. 